0: Thank you again, Becky, three times. Would you pray with me? Holy God, in this season, on this day, in these moments, we come wanting to hear from you, wanting to know what you would have us learn this day, who you would have us to become this day. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, do you like change? Next week when you come in, this sanctuary will be reversed. Will that be okay? A friend of mine, actually my brother-in-law, was part of combining two churches in Marion. They will remain nameless, as will the new church, because we're online. Hello, Marion people, if you're watching. We have a Marion connection here in lots of ways, so you never know. And these two churches in combining said, we're going to sell our two existing buildings and build a new one, because we're going to build a new church and be a new church together. And while we build it, we're going to meet in a high school gymnasium. So they met in the gymnasium the first week and they realized on that first week the doors were at the front, just like these two sets of doors. So to come in, you came in the front and came into the space and sat down. Well, guess what? If you're late, everyone knows. And I'm never late for church, but sometimes we are. (laughs) So the very next week, they flipped it around. And you know, someone said, But we've always done it the other way. (laughs) One week. We don't like change. We like things to stay the same. We can count on it. We know where our cheese is going to be and how to find it. We go to Cuba, we like to stay in the same hotel. We know exactly what time dinner and breakfast are. We know where to find the things. We know where the path is to get to the beach, all the important things. Except what? 7 o'clock. Oh, breakfast is 7.30. We don't like change. You like to get home and know that all your stuff's going to be in the same place, right? At work, you like to go to your office and know that it's going to look just like you left it unless someone left some surprise there for you. That may be happening with your church staff as we speak. Maybe it's comforting to know that change isn't a new thing, right? We find the author of Ecclesiastes this week writing about change. There's a season for this, a season for that. While we were traveling, I was thinking, how am I going to talk about Ecclesiastes to people who've heard this probably a couple of bazillion times. Maybe it's the first time you've heard this passage from Ecclesiastes, but I bet it's not. And I thought, well, we could go line by line. How's that sound? Arduous? If you're a theological nerd like some people in the room, you might think it was really fun to go line by line. <laughs> could enjoy going line by line. We could take it apart. We could look at the original language. We could say, what was the, we don't know who the author of Ecclesiastes is. Some of the commentators just refer to this person as the preacher. Because they're talking about things that are part of our life together, whoever it is. Or whoever they are. Maybe there's a team of contributors. We don't know. Doesn't really matter. Here it is. And they describe what we know in our lives. See, this isn't a prophecy. This isn't, God's made it so that this is going to happen to you. It's inflicted upon you that there will be change. This is the preacher, that preacher and this preacher, noticing that we have seasons in our lives. Nothing more or less than that. There's times when we laugh. And there's times when we cry. and There's times when we're born and times when we die. Not a time... We're born at the beginning of our lives, of course. And we die at the end, of course. But along the way, are we, do we, are we born in new ways along the way? And do we die in certain ways to ourselves along the way? We're even called to do such a thing, right? Jesus says, die to yourself. So we're, we're born and we die over and over and over. We could go line by line. We could get to the part where it says, A time to tear and a time to sew. What kind of person tears their clothing? Children sometimes experiment with scissors. Has this happened in your house yet? yet. (laughs) And in this passage, it's a reference to rending one's garment in grief tearing have you ever had such grief we experience that in certain seasons in our lives and we rend we tear and we find our way through and learn to live with a loss and then we sew it back together and it's a little different And perhaps it's even new in a way in the healing that comes. The preacher notices all these things that are part of our lives. For me, it's comforting to know that when I'm going through changes, because we all do, I'm not the first one. Because a couple bazillion years ago, this preacher person also was going through it. It's an indication to me that I'm not going through changes because I did something wrong. Well, now and then. (laughs) But not mostly. Change is fairly universal, isn't it? People sing about it. Do you ever listen to the animals? A couple of heads going like this, a couple of people going, who are the animals? In a song, we gotta get out of this place they're ready for a change of some kind Billy Joel moving out he's making a change I'm moving out the Muppets moving right along they're on their little bus and they're making a change it's kind of a psychedelic bus if you remember that's extra today you're welcome Bob Dylan noticed the times are a-changing. Now, this wasn't a personal change as much as an observation that in our society at that time, when he was writing this song in the 60s, the times were changing. We were coming to some different understandings. We may or may not like the changes, but there they are. Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror, I'm going to have some self-reflection and take a look and maybe there's changes I need to make so I can get along with you. Well, not just you, but somebody else. Terry's easy to get along with. You sit in front, you get picked on. John Mayer looked at it a different way. Waiting on the world to change. I'm just going to sit over here in a choir chair? <sighs> when y'all get it together, let me know. Soon as soon as everything conforms to my ideal of how it should be, as soon as those people quit acting like that, then everything will be okay. We've all said it. And I would remind each of us that someone else is saying it about us. We are those people for someone else, right? Waiting on the world to change. Taylor Swift, Sam Cooke, Tom Petty, Tom Petty. I won't back down. He's going to make a change no matter what. John Lennon, imagine. Imagine that we made whatever change it takes. We could all get along some kind of way and quit throwing some kind of rocks at each other based on our opinions about things or our differences our our certitude that we have the right way please understand certitude and faithfulness are not necessarily the same thing Hmm. we can't finish the list without Pete Seeger can we you know this one have you already been humming it in your head For everything. 8.15 did it better, didn't they? (laughs) Becky knows because she was here. And the birds. And, you know, lots of people. But for everything. Turn, turn. There you go. See, you should come to cantata rehearsal. Because clearly, rehearsal is making you better singers, just like that. And now this afternoon, later, that's going to be playing in your head. There is a season, thank you, Pastor Pete. I can't get this out of my head. Yeah, earworms are good sometimes. We sing about the fact that there is change because it's universal. We experience it. Our question today is not whether there is change. You're sitting there thinking already, well, Pastor Pete, I know there's change. Thank you very much for reminding me. That's just the word of hope I needed. Something else is about to cut loose. We've already been through a pandemic when things change every single day. Right? We thought that was settling down. It kind of is. But for a season, from day to day, the rules change. Am I supposed to or not supposed to? Should I or shouldn't I? Am I supposed what, what? What are the rules today? Anybody that was trying to plan things for groups of people, churches and schools and, and medical, all the places were wondering, what do I do? We found our way through all of those changes. But as we think about this everyday life series and what are we doing to be practical in our faithfulness, what's the, what's the response to change that we might bring as faithful people, as people who are following Jesus, as people who are trying to say, we trust in God in the midst of the stuff of our lives. Because we have stuff, right? Sometimes the changes are internal and we change our mind about a thing or we grow in a way and now we're becoming someone new, which is what we're called to. Sometimes the changes are external and our job changes, either because we got a new one or because we lost the one that we had and our marital status changes because we got we got married or because we lost our spouse through death or divorce our lives change when we have children our lives change when our children grow up and leave home our lives change and change and change and change our lives change when we start a new grade in school this starts early in our lives we begin first grade <gasps> Then we begin high school, and we're the new kid again. And then a little later, sorry, Ethan, we begin college, and we get to be the new kid again. And there are changes. They're good changes, and they come with challenges. And how do we do this? You already know I was in Cuba recently with our with seven other folks, including Terry and Eileen, and and we laughed and cried and had a wonderful time in most ways. One of the places we got to visit was um, La Iglesia de Alabanza. And you heard that group of people singing at the beginning of the video. That's who was serenading you at the first part of that video was that group. They gather every single Wednesday morning, period, as a group of moms and their children who have developmental and physical disabilities. It's called the Handicapped Ministry. We don't use the word handicapped so much here, but they do there. It's fine. Call it what you want. It's folks with a struggle. And it's moms who are helping their children with a struggle. What happens in this ministry is they gather together. We gathered in a large group. And because we were there and we were kind of having a party, we sang and we danced. We did the hokey pokey for a little while. And we, we danced with some Ricky Martin. And it didn't matter if you could dance or not. You could wiggle. And so we did that together. We did it together, is what mattered. And some of the songs were explicitly religious, and some of them were just fun. And we were having fun together and enjoying being together. And then the kids go over here for activities and crafts and being entertained, being cared for, while the moms stay over here in another room to share together a little bit about the challenge of being moms of kids with disabilities. And it's not hard to imagine that there are some challenges to that. There are always challenges to that, no matter where you are. Challenges where healthcare is farther and fewer between and where economic resources are difficult are sort of amplified. So we heard from a mom who has two little twin boys who danced with us but their feet aren't quite right, they need surgery, and there's something wrong with their spines, they need another surgery, and there's anxiety about what happens with the surgery, and when will it be able to happen, and when can we get the resources to travel to Havana where that needs to happen? And there's no Ronald McDonald House for families whose kiddos are going through a thing at Children's Hospital, so where are they gonna stay? They're trying to work out all those details, and they're just talking about that together there's a lady, I've been coming to this ministry for 22 years with my son and it's helped me to come here and, and, and be together with other people to be faithful together not because the ministry magically fixes any of the problems but because going through it together is what we're called to do right? right? You remember what Jesus said about that? It's not a test, but I'm curious. Jesus said lots of things. But one of them, wherever two or more gather, that's where I'm going to be. There I am with you. I'm going to show up. To paraphrase, I'm going to show up. It's 2023 after all. Where two or more gather. How does that work? Well, let's see. Christ lives in us. So when two of us get together, something happens. When three of us get together, when a room full of us get together, something happens. Sometimes it feels almost magical. It's surprising what happens. We might even say it's miraculous. When we were doing humanitarian aid in Santa Marta, which is a neighborhood of Veradero, and we visited from house to house, and these were houses that the, the ministry that Willie and Alberto are running is are engaged with, so they're, they're not total strangers, they're people they knew of that needed particular help. And we carried rice and beans, and we visited, and we prayed together. And they were some very difficult scenarios in many cases. In one case, we met a gentleman who had been a baseball player in Cuba, on a Cuban baseball team. And I forgot his name. Do you remember, Terry? You weren't there. You can't remember it. Eileen was there. Uh, John, Juan, well, I don't know. It doesn't matter what his name was exactly. The interesting part is we connected over baseball. Uh, his little Cuban baseball team way back in the 50s traveled to the United States when, when that was possible and played against the Baltimore Orioles. They had a baseball game. I don't even know who won. It doesn't matter. And then he had pictures on his wall. His whole wall was a mural, like a scrapbook mural wall. It had his military awards from a war in somewhere, Angola, I think. And then he had a great big picture of himself in his baseball uniform, pictures of himself standing in front of the Washington Monument and Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial with his baseball team. And we talked about, do you like baseball, he asked me. Well, I'm glad you asked. I like the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs, he knew a player who was Cuban who played for the Cubs in 1952. We connected. Baseball, what a simple thing. It's silly. The subject didn't matter. The connection did. The subject doesn't matter. The connection does. That's what we're about. And it's about remembering God's faithfulness as we're in the connection. This past week, I had the opportunity to visit with Gene Hulbert. You know Gene, one of our statesmen of the church. Part of the reason I visited Gene is just because every few weeks I try to visit Gene. Because Gene's struggling with his health. He can't get up on his legs like he'd like to. His health has changed, as does in our lives. He still tells me he's going to Nicaragua to see Gene's house built. I hope that can happen. And this time, he said, I don't know if that can happen because I'm not sure I'm going to get my strength back in my legs. Change is hard. Sometimes it's hard to see change. Part of the reason I went to see Gene is because Juan Alberto and Willie said, when you get back, say hi to Gene because they remember the story you saw the second floor church King of Kings and you saw people coming down the steps those steps have, have a railing now but when Gene was first there those steps had just been built and they didn't have a railing and Gene crawled up those steps because he wasn't going to not go to the second floor but whoo, the first step was a doozy and everybody remembers that story And it gets told. And Gene was remembering that story. I said, hey, Juan Alberto and Willie say hello. And he said, how's that church, that second floor church? I said, it's lovely and it's wonderful. And we were able to help them replace their drum set last week. Because their other one in the weather and the conditions in Cuba was literally falling apart. So they continue to worship and gather and do what they do with children and with families, and and it's amazing. James like, oh, I love that place. I love those people. And then we continued talking about some of Gene's little challenges with health. And he paused. This was the best part. And I have his permission to tell the story, by the way. I don't tell, don't panic. I'm not going to tell your story without your permission. (laughs) He stopped, and his face lit up. He said, you know, God loves me. What else could I want? in the midst of all the changes, the ladies who met in Cuba recognized God loves us and we can love each other. Our team of seven who went together, figured out how to get along because God loves us and we love each other. Jean figured out, I'm going through changes. God loves me and it's okay. That's part of what we're doing together as church. It's a part of how, as faithful people, we figure out how to navigate and go through the changes. Cheryl Crow sings, A change would do you good. Sometimes those are hard words for us to hear because there's a change we need to make that's challenging, and it's what we're called to. Sometimes it's a change that a friend points out to us. Sometimes it's one we realize on our own. But we don't have to do the changes by ourselves. Don't miss that part. It's what the preacher in Ecclesiastes writes about, because if we went on in the passage at the end, it says, you might as well eat and drink and be happy together, because you're going to go through changes that God put us together, because we can remind each other of God's faithfulness in our lives as we wander through the stuff that's why we share affirmations of faith together. It can feel like reciting words, but if we pay attention to the words, we recognize the promises that we cling to in the changes. So I invite you to join us as Katie leads us in an affirmation of faith. Friends, as you're able, will you stand and join me in affirming our faith in the God who does not change?